Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show, legitimately, because we're talking about 1993's Malice, mm-hmm. which means I am joined by God himself, Adam Risky. Hi. How's, Hi, how's it going? It's going pretty well, how are you? I'm excited because this show seems like an inevitability and finally we're getting the malice i just like that we're doing a show on malice because once upon a time it would have been like what have you seen lately and now we're just like no it deserves a whole show we're the two biggest fans of malice it really does rob would be number three probably nice yeah well rob call in do That's it. how podcasts work right he can call in yeah i uh on my way over here i was listening to sports radio and it's mm. like bears monday so mm-hmm. like everybody's got thoughts about the chicago bears sure and the sky is falling and then they're just like, we better get uh, Greg in here. He's been on hold for three hours and 45 minutes. And I'm just like, guys, like, hang up. like, <laughs> Do other stuff. Yeah, it's just like. Monday Night Raw is on. Whatever you have to say. <laughs> like. Put tell, it in an email. Tell someone else. <laughs> uh, by the way, happy. Rapa Nui Blu-ray, Blu-ray announcement day. No, it's Rapa Nui Blu-ray. <laughs> It's the blue way. Yeah, that's the way that you get to the Blu-rays. You're just like, excuse me, do you have the Rapanui? They're just like Rapanui Blue Way, and then they lead you down like an aisle. Warner Archive killing it today. Yeah, Mad City, mm. Rapanui, mm. and an unreleased Elvis movie called Double Trouble. Good for them. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Adam, have you seen anything good lately? Yeah. Um, the one thing that I'll talk about first is atonal with everything else I watched. I like this. So I'm going to say that one first because otherwise there's no way to mix it in. Okay. After I talk about the rest of the stuff, we're in the middle. So I sometimes will watch, uh, old episodes of Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. So, and every once in a while I'll see a review for a movie that I didn't know existed. And I'll be like, whoa, that sounds interesting. I'll watch that. So usually that happens with like the reviews from like the late 80s or like mid 80s where it's just like I'm six and I'm not like aware of Dear America Letters Home from Vietnam. I'm totally aware of that. That was an HBO movie. Yeah. So I watched that. Okay. It was on YouTube. Okay. That's the only place I could find it. Okay. And wow. I've never seen it. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Nice. It's uh really stands out because of what documentary has become <laughs> um and this is just are you talking about like fan documentaries about yeah. the legacy of repossessed yeah it's like and i don't mean that this is just an example i don't mean to throw anybody who likes this movie or who made this movie under the bus but it's just like if you're watching dear america letters home from vietnam and then you're just like let me compare this to hail to the deadites where it's like <laughs> she has the ash figure it's like this person went to war um it's just such an interesting <clears throat> angle and heartbreaking angle to yeah. take because i've consumed so much of my knowledge of vietnam and the the war from just media and like fictional depictions and like some of them are firsthand accounts but like this was the closest it's ever come to like sometimes my 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 dad was an mp in the late 60s and like he told me stories about like the draft and people that he knew who like got selected to go to vietnam and everything like that and just 
like firsthand accounts of like men huddled in corners crying and things like that. And this, it's so resonant and I, and the, um, I've just been, I don't know why it's just like something I'm drawn to like Vietnam stories. I Mm -hmm. just find it very interesting, Mm -hmm. even though it's just so heartbreaking. Um, but this informs like every Vietnam movie I've ever seen. Okay. Because it's just like they, and they go in order of like the events in the war and you kind of hear like the initial sort of the Ron Kovic type of attitude where it's like this country's beautiful and I can't believe it. This is so different than what I'm used to. And we're going to make a difference here and everything like that. And then there's like the gradual disillusionment and like how all these young men felt, you know, lied to and just kind of hollowed out by Mm -hmm. the events that they saw and everything like that. But there's also like some really wonderful things that I've never seen in uh, documentaries or movies about Vietnam where it's like, the guys who came home and like their families meeting them at the airports mm. and it's just beautiful. Yeah. And, um, just, like the beginning love, love, love actually. <laughs> it's a little bit more <laughs> moving than that. Um, but it reminded me of, um, I was watching, I, I went on like a kick a few weeks ago of watching like Tom Snyder interviews and, uh, he interviewed Dennis Franz and it was a good interview, but like one thing that he was talking about was like his, he did a tour of duty in Vietnam and he's just like, when I came back home, like, he's like, this isn't like hyperbole. I literally got down on my knees and kissed the ground oh the gosh. moments that like I came home and I was stateside again. And that's what that moment felt like, where it was just, you know, just really just the gifts of having your life back sure. and escaping that hell. Mm. And the thing that I didn't know was like, they would show statistics of like, this is the number of troops. This is the number of people who were killed in action. This is the number of people who were injured. And I didn't know that it was like the ratios that they were like, I like they were showing like one of three were injured. Oof. One of 15 were killed. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, it's just such a powerful movie. And um, I read Roger Ebert's review of it afterwards, and he said basically, like, it serves as a great second movie to any double feature of a Vietnam movie that you watch. And I think, and I totally agree with that. Sure. I think it's just like to get a fuller picture of it, um, it's a really valuable resource and a great movie. Why do you think, like, this was right around the time when there were so many. Mm-hmm. I mean, Platoon was the year before, and then you yeah. had Full Metal Jacket and Hamburger Hill and all these Vietnam movies. You have this documentary. Like, why yeah. did it take until 86, 87? There had been movies about mm-hmm. Vietnam prior to that, obviously. Like Apocalypse Now. And, and Coming, Coming Home. Home and, yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. But it really seems to have become... Is, was it a reactionary thing to Rambo? Like, I, that's probably putting too much cultural cachet on Rambo. It could just be the 20th anniversary okay. approaching okay. The, of the mid-60s to the eight, mid-80s and yeah. late-80s. Um, it could be that the people who were telling these stories needed time to I would be assume, able yeah. to want to be back in that headspace. Sure. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, and this might be too intellectual. Maybe it's not the real reason. For this show, yes. <laughs> but it might not be the real reason why I I watch these movies or I'm kind of fascinated by them or feel drawn to these movies. But I think maybe it's just like 
I feel so bad for the men who served in that war mm-hmm. and the people affected by that war mm-hmm. that it feels like this is my way of honoring them sure. to yeah. feel their pain, you know, secondhand yeah. for an hour and a half. And there's a lot of immediacy to this documentary, and um, like it definitely serves that that purpose. So I yeah. would, if you're if you're interested in the subject matter, um, I would recommend it. Awesome. Yeah, this is a, a, a side tangent, but Erica always explains uh, because she loves documentaries and she loves um, <clears throat> documentaries about sad shit. And I'm always mm-hmm. like, how can you watch this? You yeah. know, and her response is always something similar to what you just said, that she's yeah. like, I feel like it's the least I can do is yeah. to hear their story. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. There's a there's a uh, an uh, like some kind of a statement towards the end of the movie where they're at the Vietnam War Memorial and. Um, somebody says they like one of the soldiers. I'm, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically like the thing that they were worried about is that people just wouldn't want to hear about it. Okay. And I think that's kind of the thesis of the movie of it's just like, just, we know there's nothing you can do, but just listen to us. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Wow. All right. Um, Check so it out I, on YouTube, everybody. Yeah. Um, so I'll segue to uh, I rewatched The Nutty Professor from 1996. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on like a kick also of watching a lot of like mid 80s or mid 90s, late 90s movies that either I hadn't seen or I haven't seen since the late 90s. Okay. Um, and I liked Nutty Professor even more than I did back then, which surprised me because I was expecting like an Austin Powers situation. Right. Maybe it helps that I never saw the clumps. I did see the clumps. Is it as bad as everyone says that it is? I remember it sucking, but I couldn't tell okay. you two seconds of that movie. Yeah, um, but it just kind of made me think of, like, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Like, okay. Eddie Murphy is incredible in yeah. that movie. And it's so impressive just to be funny as so many different sure. people yeah, with right. so many different personalities and everything and then i'm not the first person to say this but like it also kind of serves as sort of a comment on his career at that point Mm -hmm. like that performance because buddy love is very much sort of like the late 80s early 90s uh with some exceptions like i think boomerang even though he's kind of like you know a buddy love type he also like learns to be a better person by the end so it's sort of similar to nutty professor but he was just very like kind of almost mean and sort of like yeah you watch eddie yeah. murphy raw and you're like oh this has not dated yeah. well yeah this know? is yeah during eddie murphy raw that's a good example because that's like definitely like this is a guy who needs to get like knocked down a peg yeah. by life a couple yeah. uh, but but even though some of it could be still funny um but yeah sherman clump is such like a lovable character and um yeah i was just really kind of stunned like by how functional uh, it is as a story mm. like because comedies are just not no it's just a clothesline to hang jokes <laughs> right but this is a movie that like care it it does that but like it also like cares about its characters and cares about the story that it's telling and it's just refreshing it's a good movie movies movies they used to be great they did some movies are still great some are I, yeah. I beat that drum way too often and i apologize to people listening there's yeah. lots of great movies still being made but like Nutty Professor was like a double in 1996. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, because I, mm. I can talk baseball now. I've been to a dog's game. I know. Go dogs. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a different man. You are a different um, man. 
people don't go to Nutty Professor remake expecting a great movie. It's just like, oh, here's a fun Saturday night and we're going to laugh. Yeah. And you look back on it now and you're like, look at how much care went into this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Just the fact that like he spent that much time in makeup. Right. It's like to make yeah. us laugh. Right. He could have just done. Yeah. The guy from Boomerang, mm-hmm. you know, because Jerry Lewis just was a nerd and then a cool guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And Eddie Murphy could have just been, yeah, the, the guy from Boomerang. I mean, the guy from Bowfinger, yeah. um, the nerd from Bowfinger, yeah. and then turned into Buddy Love. But like he put all that prosthetics on, and yeah, and some of it is just surprising. Like he his performance is just so joyful, um, playing both characters where. You're laughing because you're you like the the actor just as much as you're laughing because the things that he's saying are sure. funny. Like some of the behavior, like there's just stuff where he's just like screaming and it's hilarious because mm-hmm. he's just so it to borrow a phrase from Garden State, he's so in it right now. And it's just awesome to see a guy have his fastball right. again when he didn't for a long time. But like Boomerang is like ninety two, right? Ninety two. He and did this is so ninety six. Yeah, but he did some. But I'm the, I, I remember it the exact same way where it was yeah. like Nutty Professor comes out and it's like Eddie Murphy's back. Yeah, he had been gone for four years. It's just he does so many movies, at okay. least in that period okay. of time, and then like three of the four were bad, right? And then you forget about Boomerang because <laughs> you had like Vampire in Brooklyn and Beverly right. Hills Cop t- three, three in yeah. between and stuff like that. Yeah. And Distinguished Gentleman, which I haven't seen in a long time. I, don't, I haven't I don't either. Remember. It might be okay. Yeah, I don't remember it being great, but right. Jonathan Lynn, so it's probably better than I remember. Yeah. Um, I watched Picture Perfect. <laughs> a movie that changed you. Finally. <laughs> um, and From I su- the same year, right? Or is this 97? 97. This is 97. So I suggested to Patrick that we should do a show on uh, the Friends movies next year, so coming soon. That's right. Um, finally, I can talk Paul Bearer. <laughs> finally, I can more. get you to watch Ed. <laughs> oh, God. Have you seen Ed? No. It's got a good Chicago Dogs energy to it. Okay. That's pretty cool. All right. I'll see you. By the way, everybody, root for the Chicago Dogs. They're America's team. That's right. They're the official team of F this movie. It's one and one right now? One and one. Okay. Best of five. Yikes. Going back to Kansas City. Ugh. When's game three? Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah nervous but yeah. it's okay okay they weren't expected to go this far so um picture perfect yeah i uh found it interesting because i've said before on the show that jennifer aniston is kind of an mvp in these relationship comedies where she's asked to be the second lead and she holds the movie together while the main actor kind of yucks it up like yes. a bruce almighty okay. or just go with it stuff like that not that that movie's like perfect or anything but she's the super mvp of that movie yeah <laughs> along came polly stuff like that i couldn't remember the vince vaughn one the uh breakup. breakup yeah i am a big fan of the breakup okay because it's a drama and it's yeah, masquerading right. as a comedy right and once you get over the fact that it's not a comedy it's like the movie life with eddie murphy it's yes. like once you get past that it's like was misadvertised right you're just like oh this is just a good drama <laughs> so um yeah and Jay Moore is doing what Jennifer Aniston does now, and Jay Moore is fucking winning in this movie. <laughs> He's posting nothing but W's. He's charming as fuck in like every scene. Yeah. Uh, the thing that's 
crazy is Jennifer Aniston gave him hell on set, apparently, because I read the IMDb trivia, and then that led me down a rabbit hole of, like, so many articles where it's just, like, ten times actors feuded on set. And she wanted the movie to star Tate Donovan, who she was dating at the time. No, thank you. And then they also screen-tested Corbett and, like, a few other people. And then Jay Moore got it, and she was just like, she's just like, we went for six people, and you only, and and they casted the one that I hate. (laughs) And then she would just, like, be openly, like, shitting on, like, Jay Moore to, like, Ileana Douglas and stuff like that. So it didn't portray, like, her as being picture perfect but um i enjoyed the movie i thought it was hilarious how like outdated in terms of workplace politics it is because it's just like you're great at your job you're gonna bring us so many accounts but you don't have things hanging you down like an anchor like like uh expensive cars mm. or mo- or you need to spend money on your family and stuff like that or you're overextended on mortgage and things like that so like we can never make you like <laughs> and it's just like what <laughs> so she has to uh invent uh fiance in order right. to like excel in her career and it's just such a weird thing because the movie doesn't really land at like this is wrong. It's just kind of like, <laughs> it's like, well, that's what you got to do. This is how we met. It's just like, it's not perfect, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, I don't know, an Adam Risky movie. <laughs> In 97, yeah. when I saw it opening day, mm-hmm. I was super like pulling for Jay Moore, not the character. I mean, I was pulling for the character, obviously. Yeah. But for him as an actor, I was just like, mm-hmm. this is his break. This is exciting. This yeah. is like when Greg Kinnear got Sabrina, and look how that turned out. Yeah. And then he went to Dear God. <laughs> and then he went to Dear God and lots of other. But I remember him being like the one thing I liked in Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jay Moore's career, for whatever reason, I had been following since he like hosted a lip sync show on MTV or something. Like, <laughs> I didn't know where he kind of came. I from. knew who Jay Moore yeah. was. He did like half a season of SNL. He got fired for stealing jokes. Mm-hmm. I've read his book for some reason, <laughs> which is like a book length excuse slash apology for stealing jokes. It was like, well, there was pressure. Oh, okay. I didn't know that he was one of those guys. He just seems like kind of a tool now, and I don't yeah. know if I could watch Picture Perfect and like still pull for jay moore maybe i could maybe the performance is that winning i don't think i've seen it since opening day 97 yeah i don't have that baggage with him so like it just it just cooked (laughs) but i think it's funny too because like she's being held to such a weird standard by kevin dunn and like this ad agency and it's one of those great like 90s movies it's like i work at the agency everyone works at an ad agency and they're just like you gotta you know land the mustard account <laughs> and then like the guy who's the mustard dude he's just like he's like i got an angle for you it's like what if we get a naked woman behind a jar of mustard and it's a spread this Ooh. and i'm just like that no not even in a movie with that <laughs> not even <laughs> that in the 90s fly. yeah I'm like not even 97 with <laughs> it's just like when i'm putting mustard on a hot dog i'm never thinking like let's fuck <laughs> it's like <laughs> until you go to the dogs game and you see uh it don't go there <laughs> What's his name? Squeeze. Squeeze, yeah. What's his name? Squeeze. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I have a weird I, that thing. That wasn't where I thought you were no, going. Okay, no. okay. Uh, I have a weird thing with uh, with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I liked her on Friends. I've liked mm. her in a handful of movies. But I have then, too. Yeah. 
other times I just she comes off as a grouch to me. Yeah, I could see that. And we're like hate watching the morning show right now, and mm. she's so miserable on that show that I don't know if I can ever look at her the same way again. Okay. Um, so what I'm saying is, watch the morning show. Have you ever seen a movie <laughs> that just says like something about someone, and then you're just like, they nailed it. I'd never thought of it that way. Okay, that happened in Long Shot. Do you remember the line about Jennifer Aniston? No. There's I forgot who it is. It's um she's on um this show with Paul Shear that podcast June Diane Raphael. Yeah, she's yeah. married to Paul Shear. Okay, yeah, she said she's like to Seth Rogen. She's just like you don't think Jennifer Aniston a movie star is a movie star, and he says just because you star in movies doesn't mean you're a movie star. And I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm like it's like the thing that's been in the air for twenty years, yeah. and then he that's said it. kind of true of all the yeah. Friends cast except for Matt LeBlanc. But well, I mean, dude carried Lost in Space. He's in Ed. He's in Ed. You still haven't seen Lost in Space. You haven't seen him as his, like, roguish Han Solo type. I'm waiting for either Hospice to watch Lost in Space (laughs) or, like, when I'm at rock bottom and I know that that's the thing that's going to get me, like, on the first step back. Okay. It's my way back. I'm not positive it's going to do that. <laughs> well, we'll see. It's That's too much pressure to put on a movie of the quality of Lost in Space. Yeah. All right. I got a bunch more, so I got yeah, yeah, yeah. to go a little quicker. All right. Sorry. Um, all right no, it's my fault. All I'm right. slowing you down. I watched A Perfect Murder again. Uh, that movie's good. I was always kind of like mixed on it. Yeah. And then I didn't see it since like maybe 1999. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, I'm much more of a Michael Douglas guy than I was back then. I just love his, you know, brand of sleaze. And then lately between Malice and then I listened to the Blank Check episode about Seven and Perfect Murder. It's just like, yeah, I really did like Gwyneth Paltrow once upon a time. Like she was really good. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and Vigo Mortensen is like also good sleazy. And it's just like a really efficient Andrew Davis thriller it's a programmer but it's so professionally made that you just are like yes this is a breath of fresh air compared I'm to very what do for a rewatch yeah i think you'll like it good double with malice i'm guessing this is true yeah, yeah. um i rewatched mulan from 1998 um which is a movie that i liked a lot back in my blockbuster video days we used to always put it on like when it was Sunday and we didn't have to play the preview tape. <laughs> so, um, and the reason was because it had great music and I was reminded by like, wow, this is like a terrific soundtrack of like mm-hmm. original songs. And I don't think it gets the credit that it should. Cause it sort of gets lumped into the also ran Disney Renaissance movies, I think with like Tarzan and Hunchback of Notre Dame and Hercules and Pocahontas. Yeah, it was kind of late in the Renaissance. It was. It was like the second to last of the nineties yeah. ones. Okay. But I think it's like just as good as Little Mermaid, okay. Lion King, Aladdin. I rewatched Beauty and the Beast recently in a theater. I'm gonna be, say something controversial. Maybe it was just like a Siskel and Ebert thing that I remember, but I don't think that movie's as good as everyone says it Interesting. is. Interesting. I think it's good, but I don't think it's better than like Mulan or Lion King or uh, Little Mermaid. Okay. But everybody was just like, this is the one. Yeah, in my head, that's so. my favorite. Okay. But yeah, I haven't it's revisited so good. most yeah. of them in years. Yeah. Um, 
And I watched Six Days, Seven Nights for the first time. Yes. Speaking of programmers yeah. from 98. I did that as a double feature one night with The Truman Show, which I hadn't seen in a long time. The Truman Show is really good, uh, <laughs> but we don't need to talk about that one because we're talking about Six Days, Seven Nights. Yeah. Another um, movie with a friend. Another movie with a friend. Um, I was – it was weird because like at first I was just like, this is like fun. But then I kind of like really fell for the love story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a love story that you don't think will work. Correct. But then it's just like, oh, they really are good actors because they're convincing me that like they really like need each other. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just sort of like, I'm a grouch, I'm a grouch, and like, <laughs> fine, we'll kiss. It's like, this is That was like, Anne Hayes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like, we're two soul stones and we're finally going to fit together. <laughs> to paraphrase. Thank you for putting it in Marvel terms that yeah. I can understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I liked it a lot more than I thought that I would. Yeah, I saw it probably in 98 and was like, oh, whatever, mm-hmm. and then rewatched it either during my Ivan Reitman rewatch or right after Anne Heche passed away. I can't remember. And I was like, no, this movie's like a pretty solid B. Like, it's good. And it just looks great. Yeah. Because, like, it's comedies don't have right. like that kind of epics of skies and scope anymore. <laughs> um, and then... I saw The Equalizer 3. Yes. And I think it's my second favorite of the Equalizer trilogy. As I, hate, it were. I hate that that is a term that exists. Um, I have to rewatch the first one, but I didn't like the first one that much. I love two. Two ends in like a hurricane, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and, and this one. Three one's... ends in a Home Depot? No, that's one. Or not three. I'm sorry. One ends in a Home Depot. One, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. one is Home Alone in a Home Depot. Right. Okay. Two is um, Hurricane yeah, Heist. Hurricane Heist, and then three is uh, like, what if the Italy sequences in Godfather Two turned into a Friday the Thirteenth movie? <laughs> That's the thing that you like really sold me on it. The thing that really crystallized for me in Equalizer Three is that Denzel, when he's playing um, the character, when he's not in the action scenes is so doing Stallone as Rocky Balboa, where he's just man of the people. And the thing that's really great about it is it doesn't matter if it's, like, Dakota Fanning or if it's, um, yeah, she's kind of, like, the only, like, other actor of name in that movie. But it doesn't matter if it's her or if it's, like, the 13th person on a call sheet. Mm-hmm. Um He's so, like, engaged with them in a scene where you're just, like, it feels so realistic. Like, these are two people talking, and there's no artifice of these are characters. Okay. Like, he's like, makes connections with other actors in a way that, like, a lot of other lead actors don't, which is, I've always been impressed by with him. Mm-hmm. And then it's definitely turns into, it's, like, so much more violent and gory than the dad movie that the equalizer three <laughs> promises. So it's like, yeah, he's Rocky meets Jason Voorhees. Okay. So okay. I, I, it's pretty good. It's a fun time at the movies. And another thing, like my big fat Greek wedding three and equalizer three is they're like these little travel movies where it's like, we're really in Greece. Right, we're really right. in Italy. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I like watching Denzel fuck people up. So, yeah. and when I, the thing I like m- even more than him fucking people up in these movies is when he's doing like the threatening. 
Oh, yeah. Because nobody's better at threatening people in, like, kind of, a, like, a weird off-the-cuff way. Okay. So, like, there's a thing where they're just, like, the bad guys, they're just like, we're coming back here tomorrow and we're going to, like, burn down this village and we're stuff We're coming like for that. you, Equalizer. Yeah, and he's just like, I'll be waiting. It's <laughs> like, I'm here. I'm here whenever you want me. He's just like, I'm right here. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, what is he doing with his arms? <laughs> it's like, instead of, like, come on, he's like holding him out like he's flying or something like that he's just so weird and it's great um and then i watched two of the three expendables movies i'm midway through expendables three i liked expendables one more than i used to okay. i like two less than i used to Interesting. although van damme is awesome yeah he is but two is a little bit more lion's gatey than i remember please explain just the look of it. It's kind of okay. more like digital and like a lot of like CGI explosions and stuff like that. Simon West, right? That's a Simon Wester. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Expendables 1, I don't know why, but it just felt like the story was better because it's sort of that speech that Mickey Rourke gives in the middle of the movie where he like they they're mercenaries so they've been killing guys forever and then he sees like one woman and he could have saved her and then she decides to kill herself and he is, is like that's was my last chance of like regaining my soul and stuff and then it's like oh that's what stallone's doing with the other girl mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. so it kind of gives the movie like sort of an emotional crux that the other ones don't mm -hmm. Um, and it's not like we need to defeat Conrad Stonebanks <laughs> in Asmanistan because <laughs> he shot Toll Road. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but the thing I like now about the Expendables movies, and I, I've said this before with like Expendables 4, like I don't want them to be good at this point. Oh, like, okay. I just want them to be crap because okay. I, I want my shitty Expendables movies. I still maintain that between the first three, yeah. there's one good movie. I would agree with that. Yeah. The thing I like most about these movies is that they're fucking dorks. <laughs> like, there's nothing cool about them, even when they're posturing. Yeah. It's just like, like when they're trying to like make digs at one another, uh, it's yeah. just like, it's like, you're an asshole. Is that okay that I said that? Is that okay? I still really think you're cool. It's cool that you throw knives weird and stuff. It's just like, so funny. They're just like, it's because you're bald, but... That doesn't make you any less of a man. <laughs> it's just like it's like they can't let a joke like sit. They just let it hang for a second. But I just think it's so funny, just like how their repartee is just so stupid. It and, is really bad. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. I, I I wasn't a fan of this at first, but as the series has gone on, I kind of like it that the cast cycles in and out so much. Okay. Um. Because you would think that it would just be. If you're a surviving member of the Expendables, you carry over to the next right. movie. And now it's just like there's four of them coming back for four. And then like 12 of them are just like, <laughs> we were in three and peace out. So is uh, is what's his name in three? He's not. Never mind. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Uh, he's big now. He's in Top Gun Maverick. Glenn Powell. Yes. I don't think he is. Okay. I'm confusing him with or somebody else. No, he's else. in three. He I is th in He's three. not in four. No. I, don't think I wouldn't think he was in four. Yeah. But he is in three? Yeah, he is in okay, three. Okay. Yeah. The thing I like about three that I remember, I haven't revisited this part of it yet. I just watched like 30 minutes of it, um, is that they turn into like the Flintstone kids of Expendables, where right. it's just like the, new, the Stay by the Bell, the new class. Yes. But then the new class is like kind of better than like the old guys. Mm. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, in that movie, they're doing more for yeah. me than, you know. Understandable. But, and Wesley Snipes is so weird in 3. 
He's super weird. Antonio Banderas <laughs> saves that movie. He's and so the great direction it, yeah. is good. I think it's yeah. probably the best directed of the three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Antonio Banderas is great. Yeah. And, like, I get that we can hate Mel Gibson, but it does take me out of it a little bit, like, yeah. him being the villain. See, I think it's okay just because for these canceled actors, yeah. if they're playing pieces of shit, it makes it a lot easier for me to watch. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I want bad things to happen now. Like, 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 they really need to, like, fight Johnny Depp or, like... Oh, yeah, well, he's... They really need to fight Will Smith <laughs> like why is like will smith not in an expendables movie now i feel like johnny depp will do it first like i don't know i just yeah. feel like they're damaged goods the <laughs> things that is that i know like i think eco aways is the main villain for four okay and it's gonna be more of like him versus statham from what i can tell Ooh, sign me up but i said sarcastically <laughs> <laughs> i like eco aways i like jason statham i just that's not why i go to expendables movies brother we need a john travolta villain expendables oh movie. yes he would be perfect hell, as a bad guy hell in the expendables. yes he would yeah absolutely yeah paradise city john travolta <laughs> <laughs> i like it yeah all right that's it i know i talked forever no it's good uh i'll only do a few for that reason, um, Saturday night we did a smash cut double feature Woo! of Hard Target and Demolition Man. It was magic. Both of those movies are awesome. Although I will say this was my first time seeing Hard Target in a theater and everything took longer than I remembered. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like because of John Woo's stylistic choices, mm -hmm. there's a reaction shot and then a slow motion shot. Mm -hmm. And then a camera move, and then another reaction shot yeah. before the next action beat happens. Mm -hmm. It's like he he's really laying it on. And the last time I watched it was during after this movie fest, in which everything flies by. Oh yeah. Uh, so I didn't remember it from that viewing, but uh, it, everything took longer, which isn't even a complaint because I was enjoying all of the mm -hmm. added shit, you know, especially in a theater with a crowd that was eating it up. Yeah. I mean, like this was my first time seeing it in a theater. So yeah. that was just amazing. And like, there's not enough chances to see Van Damme movies in theaters. So right. that was a, a real joy. The thing that popped the most for me with hard target was just like how great Arnold Vosloo is in that movie. <laughs> He's doing something. Like I told, I, I enjoyed Lance Henriksen more than I ever had. Yeah. I was telling, uh, Leo who was sitting next yeah. to me that if I'm Arnold Vosloo, I just have an office that's got a frame poster of a hard target poster <laughs> and a frame poster of the mummy. And I go in there the yeah. first thing in the morning and I just go, hee hee. <laughs> and then I just walk out and go about my day. Because it's like you already achieved what you're here yeah. and put on earth to do. Um, Van Damme, obviously super awesome. And I was watching yeah. him just loving Van Damme and missing Van Damme and thinking about all the other Van Damme movies I feel like watching. Mm -hmm. Hard Target, not my favorite Van Damme. Like, I don't mean movie. Okay. I just mean like his characterization, his performance. Yeah. It's it's a little more stoic than I like my Van Damme. I can see that. I, I mean... Yeah, I definitely like. Well, I don't know. He's pretty stoic and like nowhere to run and cyborg. Yeah, and stuff. I think the most uh, sudden death. He's a little bit more stoic and stuff like that. I like both sides of him. Yeah, but the thing that I like about him in this one is like I find him very believable as like the down and out kind sure. of street person sure. who's trying to like hitch on to like you know boat trips and things like that. <laughs> like I don't know. I boat just, drinks. Boat drinks. Uh, <laughs> shit. What was it called? Oh, that's it. Boat drinks. Boat drinks. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I dug, I dug the whole thing. Me too. It was a comprehensive recommendation. It was me. fun. Yeah. And uh, then we followed it up with Demolition Man. Yeah. Which I hadn't seen in the theater since opening weekend in 1993. Mm-hmm. It was the it was my first outing ever as a teenage driver without an adult in the car. Okay. It was like, you can drive anywhere you want now. Where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And I was like, to see Demolition Man on a Sunday afternoon. Nice. Um, and Demolition Man rules. My quibbles about Demolition Man have always been my quibbles about Demolition Man, which is that like Stallone and Snipes keep trying to insert their own dialogue into the movie and Mm -hmm. it doesn't mesh with the much funnier better comedy Mm -hmm. so when wesley snipes as a toss away just yells out like simon says bleed it's like you barely got that in before they yelled cut (laughs) and those lines aren't as good as like the daniel waters lines yeah i i agree with you i just like it as a gumbo though totally just like that not like I said this, I remember, during that F This Movie Fest where we watched Demolition Man. It was the same one as the Hard Target one. Um, it, what a great F This Movie Fest. Um, is <laughs> where is everybody it? is just kind of like rolling their eyes at like Stallone trying to be funny. Yeah. To me, I'm just like, he's nailing it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And especially a Demolition Man and like Judge Dredd, I'm just like, double whammy. I'm just like, this is so fucking cool. Like, I think he's funnier than he thinks that he is almost. It's weird. Okay. I get um, it. So... Yeah, for for me this time, like, <clears throat> when I saw this in 93, um, I was cl- obviously watching it as, like, the Stallone-Wesley Snipe show. Yeah. And then you're, over time, I've become more appreciative of just, like, how great the script is. Yeah. And, like, also, like, Sandra Bullock is just, like, I always thought, like, well, Speed is the movie that made her a star, but it's just, like, it was there and... yeah. In Demolition she's, Man, she's too. She's the MVP of DM. Yeah, and I just can't imagine Lori Petty, like, scoring points like she does. And I, I, mean, I like Lori Petty. Just yeah. Like, yeah. I was trying to imagine Lori Petty in the role, like, yeah. during the movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't happening. No. Um, I watched a new horror movie <clears throat> called Elevator Game. Mm-mm. Directed by it. Rebecca McKendry. Oh, okay. It's on Shudder. It just showed up on Shudder. Um, here's the thing. It's obviously, it's, it's what we're talking about when we're like, movies used to be movies. And now they're these indie things that are scraped together with hardly any money and seven days to shoot. And you just can't compare them to stuff that came out in the Mm nineties. And I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to look at it as its own thing with its own limitations. Um, it's well directed. There's a couple of really nice moments. It's essentially about a group of like YouTubers who it might be based on like a creepy pasta story, which okay. I am unfamiliar with. Yeah. Creepy pasta as a thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's when you order spaghetti at Garibaldi's. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. We're just like, oh, this is so bad, it's scary. <laughs> That's a Stallone joke. <laughs> The hunka chunka. Oh my god! The hunka chunka is not something Daniel Waters wrote. Um, so he wishes. He, wrote. he wishes. Yeah, it's yeah. the line everyone quotes. <laughs> um, and they do like haunted videos where they like go to haunted places and make videos. And, okay. And they they find out about this game called the Elevator Game where you have to like go to floor one and then five and then two and then ten and if mm. you do it in the right order. It opens a doorway to, like, the other side. Yeah. 
But if you do it wrong, a ghost lady tries to kill you. And it's fine as a premise. I will admit I'm very over influencer horror because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of them in like the last two to three years. Yeah. Uh, Deadstream being the best of them. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue with the movie is early on, one of the YouTubers says to someone else, is anybody going to really want to watch us go up and down on an elevator? And they're all like, shut the fuck up. We're going to do this. And then the movie is literally here are the characters going up and down on an elevator over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Again, limited budget, not very many actors, mostly one location, an elevator. Uh, But it just it didn't come together for me because I found it repetitive. Okay. Yeah, I this is sort of related to what you're saying about like, you know, real movies and quotes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of noticed that too, like when I was watching like the Expendables movies versus Demolition Man and Hard Target, where it's not so much even like the story structure or the characters or things like that. It's just like the way they look. Yeah. It's just like if you put Sylvester Stallone on film, he looks like an iconic movie star. If you shoot him on, you know, HD video or whatever. <laughs> right. like on your cell phone. On, in digital, like tech, <clears throat> then he looks like he's like making, playing dress up at Target or at Walmart. Like we, yeah. bought, like the seams are showing yeah. and things like that. And I just, yeah. I get like why, you know, digital projection has like overwhelmed 35 millimeter and it's kind of like a boutique business and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's just like, I don't know. Like, and I get like you know independent productions like the one that you just talked. Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. have to shoot on, of course, that way. But it just you miss so much. Yeah, and it's a shame. And maybe it was a good way of gatekeeping. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last movie I'll talk about is a documentary uh, that is one hundred percent the documentary that you were kind of making fun of when you were talking about dear america letters home from vietnam yeah it's called we kill for love okay it is a two hour and 40 minute documentary on the forgotten erotic thrillers of the 90s i'm in in theory so am i yeah but it's not the movies that you think it's like what movie it's the shit that went straight to hbo and straight to vhs and cinemax it's not Basic Instinct and Jade and Body of Evidence. What's the point of even making it then? Those movies get mentioned. They show some clips. There's no thesis. (laughs) It's all over the place. It's just like, also, there was this movie. And like, Mm. every once in a while, it'll come together where it's like, it has a history. It has its roots in like, gothic fiction. I was like, well, I've never heard that argued before. And then they sort of make a point about there's this house and there's this woman and she's in trouble. And they show all these clips from all these movies that follow the formula. And you're like, that's really interesting. Yeah. But then they're just like, and also this person made 70 movies and let's follow them for 10 minutes. It's it's all over the place. It's like watchable, but I didn't know any of the movies. I didn't care about any of the movies. I'm not familiar with the actors that are interviewed. Mm -hmm. They don't even get Shannon Tweed. That seems like a giant miss. I mean, you, like, let's make a documentary about spaghetti westerns and not interview Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Do they get Brian Krause? Uh, no, sadly. Pamela Anderson? Nope. They do Anna get Andrew Stevens. Well, she's passed away. 
yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the people are people I was not familiar with. Yeah. It, there's a whole section on like movies that were made for the Playboy channel. I'm like, I don't know who this is for. I appreciate the scholars that are interviewed who okay. know this genre backwards and forwards. Like mm-hmm. they've devoted their life to studying weird straight to HBO erotic thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it wasn't a good documentary. It's a bummer. Yeah. 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 Malice. You know, it's a good movie. No, not a, quite an erotic thriller. Shit. No. Though it has some sex in it. Yeah. Definitely a thriller. Yes. Malice from 1993. Do you want to know what the critics said about Malice? They were not kind to it. And I cannot <laughs> wrap my head. Because, again, this is a case of we didn't appreciate what we had when we yeah, had it. There were too many good movies back then. There must have just been. Like, yeah, I don't know. So um, in the uh, newspaper ad for Malice, critics Oh, nice. Okay, said, this is the newspaper ad. Yeah, the newspaper ads. Um, the sexiest thriller of the year. 1993. What else is 93? The only thing I can think of is like Body of Evidence. Uh, Malice is sexier than Body of Evidence. Flesh and Bone? Flesh and Bone is not sexy. Have you ever seen it? No, I should. Very good. Okay. But it's not an erotic thriller. But there's Flesh and Boning. True. Okay. It's got Paltrow, early Paltrow. Yeah, it does. And And Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid. You could double it with DOA. Yeah. Uh, Guilty of Sin, you said, is not sexy. No. Okay. So it's just Body of Evidence? This no, is be a hotter more. movie than Body of Evidence. There's got to be more than that. Nope. All right. That's Anyways. it. <laughs> um, tense and Terrific, an absolute don't miss. Um, an engrossing twist and turn and twist thriller. Uh-huh. Guaranteed to keep you guessing. <laughs> no arguments here. A thriller with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Brimming with shocks and surprises. All right. Yeah. And then Gene Siskel said, a wildly overwrought thriller that is forever doubling back upon itself with one surprise after another until it wears us out. I disagree. Nicole Kidman stars as a newlywed who agrees to let her husband, Bill Pullman, rent out the upstairs room to a fabulously good-looking and egotistical surgeon, Alec Baldwin. Nothing about that makes sense. Obviously, the surgeon could could afford to write a check for the whole house. Obviously, Baldwin wants to put the make on Kidman, which I always think is funny because Siskel always was like, he's putting the make on. Um, um, The only explanation is you wouldn't believe it if I told you and you won't believe it when they tell you. It's also a brutal film. One star. That's one thing that I thought was weird because in their review, they were just like it devolves into just like such brutality and violence. And I think it's pretty like like. A, you see a dead body and like somebody gets shot and that's yeah. about it. There's yeah. not like really that much gruesomeness. They cut away right. from a lot of it. Well, Bill Pullman gets chopped in half and all of his <laughs> organs are pulled out while he's still alive. We see the kid get blinded. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to be spoiling Malice. Yeah. So before we get into talking about Malice, please see Malice because mm-hmm. it's great. It's the kind of movie that doesn't get made anymore. Yeah. Everyone is at the top of their game. It's got a script by Aaron Sorkin and Scott Frank, arguably two of the best screenwriters of the 1990s. Yes. It's directed by Harold Becker. Mm-hmm. The cast is wall to wall. People you stars, know, stars. Like. People you know. Mm-hmm. People you know. Gwyneth Paltrow before she's big. Tobin Bell before she's big. George C. Scott shows up for a scene. And Bancroft shows up for a scene. BB Newworth. BB Newworth crushing Peter it. Peter Gallagher doing no. good work <laughs> you know uh, yeah his eyebrows freshly yeah, yeah, yeah. freshly trimmed <laughs> um 
Everyone in it is amazing. I I think this movie is so good, and it's one of like the first movies that I want to watch every September because I can't watch horror yet. I mean, I do. Yeah, it's a but, very like, good fall movie. It's such a fall movie. Yeah. Like the score is so fall. The, the scenery, the New England. Setting. Yes, yeah. love it. Yeah, there was a scene where. Uh, Bill Pullman goes to visit Alec Baldwin, who's no longer a house guest in their home, and he's staying at the Lord Jeffrey house guest. They should have <laughs> could have jumped house guest by a year and a half. Um, he's staying at the Lord Jeffrey Inn, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, where the fuck is the Lord <laughs> Jeffrey Inn? I'm just like, I need to get away. I need to go to Amherst, Massachusetts, and just sit, like, just do the be malice in the, tour. Just do the malice. <laughs> you know tour uh, it's just like what college is this i'm gonna like get my graduate degree there oh it's a liberal arts women's college it's, maybe if i convince them in the interview um no that's like something that's so great about this is just like the setting yes it's just no everything about it pushes yeah. all of my buttons yeah oh totally um, it's not streaming anywhere currently oh really you okay. can rent it um i bought it I, on youtube years okay. ago when we did our yeah uh, yeah, yeah and yeah. i think you could pick up the dvd Someone told me on Twitter that they just blind bought the DVD. There is a Kino Lorber Blu-ray. Okay. Is it out of print? I don't know. I don't have the Blu-ray. I just have like the MGM DVD that I found at second hand. Okay. Yeah. Uh, You can buy it on Amazon. Blu-ray appears to be unavailable. You can get the DVD, but it's not super cheap. Wow, the Blu-ray is out of print. How upsetting. Anyway. Go, Go on eBay. Yeah, it's or not, YouTube. It's not the world's easiest movie to see right now, but yeah. it's so it's worth, worth seeking it. out. Yeah. Yes, uh, and with that, we are going to be spoiling Malice, which is a movie you don't want spoiled. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as twisty as all these critics are claiming. I think that it's pointless to to worry about the twists because it's so arbitrarily thrown together that. It doesn't matter. Like there, there, this is like the type of movie that would maybe drive you crazy if you're trying to like be ahead of it and like win the movie and guess yeah. the okay. guess the ending. Okay, but if you're just there to see like, like if if you're like in the review, the Cisco and Eber review, they're just like there's so many inconsistencies and loose threads and stuff, and it's just like forget all that. Just enjoy the nuttiness of it all because every new detail is crazier than the last. <laughs> And that's by the end of the movie, you're just like, it's like Robert Davi at the end of Taking of Beverly Hills. And it's just like, this was about like a painting being buried in the ground. And it's just like, how did we get he- from here? And it the, you laugh to yourself because you're just like, I love this because how do we get from here to here? Well, I, uh, fuck. Okay. Ebert talks about, um, Okay, let me back up. Yeah. <laughs> I complain all the time about people who say, like, well, just turn off your brain and enjoy the movie, right? Because yeah. I'm always like, I can't do that. I use my brain to have fun, so I can't enjoy Transformers Revenge of the Fallen by turning off my brain and looking at the big explosions. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I must fucking be turning off my brain because I don't watch movies this way where I'm like, why is Alec Baldwin renting a room when he can so clearly own a house himself because he's a successful surgeon like i've never questioned it once in my life see the thing is like i questioned it and this is before i read their review or watched their review um but i let it go sure because i accept the movie on the terms that it's playing i guess that's what i'm doing yeah so it's because it does it doesn't matter it's just like why is the kid blind 
Why is there a kid peering through the window and he looks like a Fulci character? Because like, it's, this movie's because all this movie's, setups and payoffs, baby. Because this movie's just like, fuck it. <laughs> it's like, the, the thing that, okay. It's the A-list best trash. Absolutely. Yes. And like, more power to everybody yes. making A-list trash. But they're not A perfect fucking... murder is A-list trash. I mean, it's like, but it's not, great. I mean, Basic Instinct is A-list trash, yeah. but I would argue that like, I think they talk down a little bit in Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Malice talks down at all. I don't think so either. I think this is like, the thing that's great about it for me, or one of the things that's great, because everything's great about Malice, <laughs> is like Scott Frank and Aaron Sorkin are clearly intelligent men. Exactly. And they're having a great time just throwing in a lot of crazy shit yes. in this movie. And like, who cares if it's airtight? It's it's not trying to be like Michael Clayton or like right. like tight as a drum. This movie's like loosey goosey. It's like the fucking like you know you open up the novelty can and like little worms you know shoot out at you. It's like that's what this movie is. Well, Aaron Sorkin kind of disowned it. I thought that he disowned it just because of them incorporating a sex, sex scene, scene which which is dumb because they don't show any nudity in this barely scene a sex and, scene it's like yeah. you had to write a steamy sex scene and they went and did it without me because i was uncomfortable and god mm-hmm. bless him for being uncomfortable and saying no yeah but like they stand in front of each other and take their clothes off and yeah. then the scene ends basically and, and with Kid, and kidman's like not a shy actor so it's no. just like you're almost kind of like being upset on her behalf when she's not <laughs> upset about this stuff at all it seems like right. um but i was gonna say you know eber yeah. points out one of the things like oh they throw in a serial killer subplot just for atmosphere and it's like okay a yes there is a serial killer yeah. subplot that's how we get paltrow and and tobin, tobin bell. bell yeah but also without that pullman never has to jerk off into a cup never gets his sperm sample taken never discovers that he's sterile never discovers that he's not the father of kidman's baby and that Mm -hmm. she's cheating on him yeah it's necessary i think it's funny that they have to go through all of that (laughs) just to show that he's sterile when it's something that you could have explained away collateral damage it's something like you could have explained away in one line of dialogue where it's just like we're trying to have a baby but i'm sterile it's just like like at the bar like you know it's the type of thing that like alec baldwin could and them could talk about like when old friends catching up or acquaintances catching up so you still sterile yeah but it's just like (laughs) It's like it's a shame with that pretty girl. She's still sterile. Uh, but that's, way, I, I don't want to. Uh, right behind Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. In terms of like the best Kidman has ever appeared on screen. Even okay, this would be like I mean number three. Okay, what's your two? Uh, well, it would go Batman Forever. Then oh, I do love Shut. Batman Forever, but yeah. this is my two. Yeah, I mean, I no complaints. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like there's this, there's a moment that like takes my breath away where she struts into the bar oh yeah yeah, yeah. to have like the you know the showdown conversation with bill pullman and the way she walks in that room is like fuck this is like (laughs) not only one of the most like gorgeous women ever but it's like she's playing and spoiler for malice she's playing a con artist and like a really vindictive B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> um, and you're just like, she's just owning this space. Yeah. And the great thing is like, you know, the power struck shifts, the power dynamic shifts in that scene. That's what makes it such a great scene. But like, that's a type of thing where it's like, she's a fucking lion. Like, yeah. Just for in sure. the room, just like tear you apart and like do like just 
pick up the crumbs and like take it to her benefit and everything. <laughs> it's amazing. I think all three leads mm-hmm. are so good in this movie. They're all very, very good. Uh, and I think Pullman probably gets the short end of the stick and people who listen to the show know what a fan of Bill Pullman I am. Um, but he's gets like a quiet double double in this. Yeah. Well, like, Baldwin's got the showiest role. Yeah. He's got the monologues, but like, even in throwaway lines, he's just mm-hmm. fucking crushing it. I'm yeah. like, Alec Baldwin, listen, tragedy, tragedy aside, Alec Baldwin is a problematic person, just seems like an asshole and mm-hmm. like just not a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, but when he's on his game, like no one can do what Alec Baldwin does. It's like James Woods. Mm-hmm. Like you call him in to do a specific type of thing and nobody does it mm-hmm. better than Alec Baldwin. And he is just on fire in this movie yeah i mean like when it comes to like you know giving a steak of like meaty cheesiness to yes. an actor like there's that's a skill and not everybody has that right. and like alec baldwin's really good at it yeah uh and pullman has this sort of he's kind of the patsy he's he's, he's being taken advantage cuck. of right he's, he's a total cuck in this movie yeah. But he grows a set of balls by the end in the scene that you're talking about mm-hmm. where Kidman stomps into the restaurant is, you know, when he says, fuck you, I want half. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, there's Pullman. Now, like, now he's mm-hmm. pissed off. And now you believe him as the guy who shows up and like last seduction. And yeah, uh, he's ca- uh, 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 lost highway. Like he's capable of playing a different kind mm-hmm. of guy, although he's a cuck in lost highway. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, this is like a great double feature with Rebel Without a Cause because this is like cuck who gives no fucks. <laughs> Better title. This is one of the best. This would do- totally be like the headliner in the cuck box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they should ha- like any guy who gets cucked. Yeah. They get the box set and then <laughs> they get, they watch Malice and then by Tuesday morning they're back on their feet. They feel pretty good they after they pretty, watch they Malice because Pullman comes good. out on top and I want to believe falls in love with B.B. Newworth. I was going to ask you that. Like yeah. what, what happens with the two of them after – I hope that they make it happen because they clearly have chemistry and, and they I like, like each other. And I like that she decided like, listen, no one else is doing a Boston accent in this movie. I'm going to. Yeah, that's another thing because we talked about you know how glamorous Kidman is and everything like that. Everybody in this movie's hot. George C. Scott is hot in this movie. Like everybody, he looks good. Yeah, looks fucking great. Yeah, in they this do. Movie. And BB Newworth is like no exception. Yeah, this is number two Newworth after Summer of Sam. She's on like another level. Oh, in Summer yeah, she of is Sam. hot in Summer of Sam. Number three is Jumanji. No, I don't know. I don't even remember her in Jumanji. She's like is she the mom. Who is she? I think so. I haven't seen it in a while. I just remember she's like floating on a door in a river or something at some point. In like the OG Robin Williams Jumanji? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Doesn't matter. Jumanji show coming in 2025. <laughs> Speaking of Jumanji, uh, Chris, as we were, <laughs> Kirsten Dunst yeah. sent out a thing on Instagram where her son was holding like a Spider-Man umbrella. Okay. And she says he doesn't know that MJ's his mom. And I was just like, oh my God, I want to be a fly on the wall for yeah. that conversation right? how cool can you imagine that? it's just like ah, oh, do you want to see a movie it's just like you like spider-man do you want to watch like one of the real good ones and she's like it's like okay it's like mom <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome i don't want to watch melancholia anymore <laughs> why am i watching woodshock <laughs> Isn't that what it was called? Woodshock? What's Woodshock? <laughs> it was some movie. It was like some indie movie. I think it was called Woodshock. Hold on. That she did like within the last five years. 
Woodshock. I mean, you would know better than me. I don't know. I think it was Woodshock. One what? word? Yeah. Kirsten Dunst and Joe Cole. Okay. She looks good on the poster. Well, she always looks good. She uh, should be in Malice. <laughs> she should be in Malice. That's me. Jack Kilmer is in it. Okay. Palo Alto is Jack Kilmer? Is he in Palo Alto? Yeah. I only know He's him like from the, the documentary. Guy. Okay. Yeah, Val. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like the the second lead with Emma Roberts in Palo Alto. I, I saw Palo Alto. I didn't love Palo Alto. It's okay. But, yeah. It's like if you want like JV Sofia Coppola, you got Gia Coppola. Which I do. Yeah. Oh, apparently it's streaming on Paramount Plus, Woodshock. So mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it. Double feature it with Letters Home from Vietnam. <laughs> um, so... When did you first see Malice? In theaters in 93. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. With my dad. It was a divorce movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the, did you always love it, or was it a movie that grew on you over time? Um, It definitely, like, I liked it in 93. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a programmer. Yeah. Didn't think about it a ton. Bought it on DVD when that became a thing. And I remember watching it once in our last townhouse maybe or maybe two places ago whatever mm-hmm. on a sunday afternoon yeah. and thinking to myself this is the best sunday afternoon ever made it really is yeah. like it's a sunday afternoon movie rather yeah um, i got it yeah. that that uh it plays so well on like a sunday afternoon when it's a little bit cloudy mm-hmm. that uh that was that was my magic viewing it also reminds me of um, what John Singleton used to call like a Saturday night special. Okay. Where it's just like a movie, like a programmer that like you go out to dinner in a movie and you're just like, man, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few of those. I mean, like movies like City by the Sea and Firewall, like those are movies we used to go see on Saturday nights and they're mm-hmm. not good. They're just programmers. Yeah. But like I didn't come away upset. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I just feel like maybe because movies are so expensive or so big or whatever, yeah. you can't really have a night like that anymore. You got to stay home and watch Malice. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see Malice until like within the past 10 years, maybe. I feel like there's a podcast out there where post first viewing of Malice, where in what have you seen lately? Yeah. You talk about seeing Malice Probably. for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just blown away by it from the first time because yeah. I was primed to like it. Like I liked Harold Becker movies. I right. liked all the cast. And then as you said, like it's got that perfect like fall vibe to it. And it's just bug nuts loony. <laughs> and that's something that's just wonderful about it. I remember being, I was 11 when it came out. So like I didn't see it in theaters, but um, I was afraid of the trailer a little bit. Because I remember seeing it at the Barrington Square Six before either The Good Son or Demolition Man. Or Interesting. Both. Okay. And because it was like coming soon to the Dollar Theater. Oh, okay. And when they would show, um, I don't know, I have like weird things where it makes me like super uncomfortable. And one of the things was the image of like Kidman on the hospital table or the operating table with like her eyes taped and stuff oh, like that sure, yeah, yeah. like that like freaked me out sure. well especially when you don't know the context yeah so that like freaked me out so i was just like i'm never watching malice that movie's scarier than nightmare on elm street but can you imagine going to the dollar theater mm-hmm. and seeing malice where you're just like 
That's the type of thing where you would go to the dollar theater like every weekend for a year. After chasing that, that right? Chasing like I malice. literally got a hundred times my money's worth. Yeah. Because any movie at the dollar theater, you're kind of going with lowered expectations and then to oh, see totally. something yeah. as good as Mouse. By the way, it was episode 406, Wishmaster. Oh, my God. What September a great of 2017. Okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah, less than. Yeah. And then I remember watching with you and Rob. During quarantine. During right? quarantine yeah. and, like, us texting each other during it. It was. We did two very, movies. Very what, 2020. What was the. Yeah. So 2020. Um, what was the other movie that we did? I don't remember. I feel like we did a double feature that we night. did. Okay. I just don't remember what the other movie was. Okay, but uh, yeah, and then yeah, Harold Becker's just like, what are cool. your what are your Becker joints? This Sea of Love. Yeah, I mean those are the top two okay. probably. Vision Quest is also really good. Okay, um, I'm a defender of domestic disturbance, even though I accept it for what it is. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm missing one or two others, but like I never saw the Onion Field. Nope, me either. There's like a couple others in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if you watch, C- if you've never seen Sea of Mal- Sea of Malice, oh my Ooh. god, Sea of Malice. Wait a second, <laughs> you've never seen <laughs> Sea of Love or Malice? Watch them back to back, and you'll have the best. If I think I'm gone, <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> Who's that blind boy in the window? <laughs> You said it. I bet it's Sarah. <laughs> Did you see me, by the way, turn around uh, at the theater on Saturday night when they showed the trailer for Fatal Instinct when Kate Nelligan came on screen? I did not. I, <laughs> I was, spun around like Adam. <laughs> my eyes were deadlocked on Kate Nelligan. Um, yeah. Hot. She should be in Malice. Um, Playing the M. Bancroft role? Every role. So... If I have a complaint about Malice, okay. it's the Anne Bancroft performance. Uh, yeah, I took a lot of notes about Anne Bancroft in this movie. I like it because at that point, like, the th- one of the pleasures of Malice for me is when they remove any type of veiling of this is going to be a classy movie. Okay. Like, you think at the beginning that it's going to be, like, this highfalutin kind of, like, not prestige but like classy thriller no and then like within the first like 20 minutes you're just like oh this is a little sleazy <laughs> and then by the time Anne Bancroft comes it's just like oh this is just nuts <laughs> and she like even puts it even further over the she top does, yeah like I wrote she's like Eartha Kid and Ernest Scared Stupid <laughs> <laughs> like it's like that pitch of performance it's she's so broad mm-hmm. in a movie that I don't think is even though Alec Baldwin is like over the top yeah. He's playing a character who's over the top. Like, that's his thing. Yeah, he's an egomaniac. Right. Yeah. And and everyone calls him out on it, and he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So he has license to do that. But then Anne Bancroft comes, and she's doing this weird community theater thing. I love it. Um, because <laughs> she's supposed to be the mother of uh, Nicole Kidman. Right. And the she describes the father of Nicole Kidman is being like a confidence man who taught Nicole Kidman, everything that she knows um, to be a con artist. And it just sort of is so fitting that like Anne Bancroft's like just this woman that he just hooked up with once. And then they kind of had this like dysfunctional family and she's a mess. And it's kind of great. Cause she's like 
Dr. No in AI, but instead of like feeding her quarters for more information, you just give her like scotch. <laughs> and it's sort of funny because Peter Gallagher tees it up. He's just like, oh, when yeah. you go visit, he tells Bill Pullman, he's like, when you go visit her, bring some scotch. Yeah. And then it just pays off even more than you would think. It's just like, she just keeps going She's and like going Gollum and going. with the ring though. Yes. <laughs> She's just, her eyes light up yeah. or like the last unicorn skeleton when he's like, bring me the wine. Yeah. I uh, also wrote that I want her to be a Zoltar machine. She should be a Zoltar machine. <laughs> but like, not like a dummy. Like I want her like just stuck in a Zoltar <laughs> machine. And then she's just like, give me more alcohol. Bring me scotch. <laughs> Pour it in the bill slot. <laughs> It'll spill, but I'll get some of it. Um, yeah, but there's also just fucking great sh- weirdo shit in this movie, like um, <laughs> Nicole Kidman and Alec Baldwin's hideaway is a house on an edge of a cliff. I mean, by the time we get there, I'm just like, yes, this movie is fully leaning into yeah. the, the the ocean just hitting the side of the cliffs and it's going just full Hitchcock loony. I am surprised that it doesn't end in some kind of like hurricane storm thing. Yes, or like in a lighthouse. Of, yeah, this would be yeah, like the final analysis thing. Right. Where just, like somebody has to fall out of the Kim lighthouse. Kidman falling to her death. This is another movie like because that was kind of a thing in the late 80s, early 90s where people falling to their death. Yes, was, like, oh the, my gosh, the, it was so popular. It was so popular. It's just like, yeah, somebody should have fell, fell to their death. In this. Probably. Um, I love uh, when Kidman and in that scene when we see their hideaway together they they're walking on the beach they go up to the room they're about Mm -hmm. to fuck in a steamy scene that aaron sorkin wouldn't write Mm -mm. Uh, but apparently he would write studio 60 on the sunset strip yeah he's like i just worked with tom cruise i couldn't do that to him and tom cruise is probably in the theater and he's like fuck her (laughs) fuck her tom cook cruise Mm -hmm. um something about like what would the inscription say it's not inscription she says it wouldn't say it would read and he goes very oh, good yeah. and it's yeah. like this great moment yeah of their relationship where he just still thinks he's like calling the shots and he's gonna teach her and she's minutes away from shooting him and she's yeah. always in charge yeah that's the thing like he thinks that he's like this alpha dog yes. he's teaching her how to be right. classier right. he's like improving her con right. performance right and the whole time she's just like you have no fucking idea <laughs> exactly like that's the thing that she's just like there's no bottom to my immorality it's such that's a great it. little detail and, and yeah i just love it when like the tables flipped where she's just like yeah so we'll kill the kid and then right. she's just like i'm not killing children and she's just like don't lose your fucking nerve so I do great. like that Alec Baldwin has a limit, though, where he's like, yeah, no, I we're like not killing kids. It makes it interesting and also makes it interesting for me of, like, what a good confidence person she is because she starts the movie and it's one of my favorite things because it's it, – this is almost like the first indicator of how silly this movie is going to be. And I say that in the most affectionate terms. <laughs> She's a teacher at, like, a kindergarten or, like, a grade school – and then, like, Bill Pullman's like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? She's like, yeah, I got time. I could leave. And she just leaves this classroom of, like, unattended children for a long time, presumably. Well, because knowing what we know, <laughs> she would let all of them die yeah. if it meant uh, but that's a little the scratch. Thing where she's just like, and I, so I guess I got two questions for yeah. you, really. So do you think she really wants children or this is no. just, okay. And then second is how legitimate is the relationship from both sides 
of Alec Baldwin and Nicole Kidman and Nicole Kidman and Alec Baldwin? Like, are they using each other or are they both into each other and they're kind of into it together? Are they like a Mickey and Mallory type of like relationship where they're partners in crime? Uh, or are they just playing each other? I don't think he's playing her. Okay. I think she's playing him. Yeah, I could see it any either way, like yeah. for both of them. So I think he's into it. I think he's into her. Yeah. I think it's like we'll get the money and we'll go live together and everything will be great. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think she is planning to kill him or get rid of him as soon as she has the money. Yeah, that's the thing that's kind of interesting is like what is the impetus for him? Like is he just a This the the weird thing with his and this isn't me picking at it like in a negative way. It's just me trying to figure it out because I like this movie Yeah, is, um, you know, he throws away his entire career right. when he probably could have had like a very comfortable livelihood yeah. in his role as a surgeon. And it's not something where it's like, I'm a con artist, so I'll learn how to be a surgeon. Like right. I always assumed that he was like a surgeon and then he kind of fell under the spell or like he got greedy yeah. and then he saw this thing. But it's just interesting that he's like willing to throw away like his entire livelihood for for Kidman. But like it totally makes sense with Kidman where she's just like climbing a ladder. Exactly. She's just like trying to find one more like a score bigger than the last score. Right. Right. I do find it so funny because this is like such a 1993 thing hmm. where um, – I don't have the note in front of me or I can't find it, but basically like there's a framed picture from a student newspaper where it's like popular professor lands like favorite student, <laughs> And I'm just like, Oh, 1993. <laughs> and I find it interesting in the timeline. Cause I paused it. Cause I was just like, what, what is the date of this paper? Mm-hmm. And it was from 92. So like in the ensuing year, he became from a professor to like the dean, dean of students yeah, right. and stuff. And she went from like a student who got married, yeah. presumably right out of school yeah. to like being a teacher. So like, it doesn't matter, but it's just kind of funny. Cause like, it's such a thing that wouldn't fly in 2023. No, of yeah. course not. I mean, as a plot device, it's yeah. like a, it explains what I think a lot of people would ask, which is like, what's she doing with Bill Pullman? Yeah. And B, it's another example of her climbing a ladder of seeing someone as an opportunity Mm -hmm. uh, when she's his student and entering into a relationship with him to get to the next level, you know, whatever that is. Yeah, I agree. So it says something about both their characters, even though I completely agree with you, it would not Mm -hmm. fly in 2023. Yeah. when I was writing notes, I wrote like a page of notes and then I forgot that I didn't write any notes yet about Nicole Kidman. <laughs> okay. So I wrote dash Nicole Kidman squiggly line, a name that even a pen is happy to write. <laughs> like It's true. Nineties Kidman. Yeah. So underrated. Like she's yeah. she's gotten recognized as being a great actor over yeah. time, but like if you go back to like she's been phenomenal forever well she's always great and the thing is at a certain point she gets into like her portrait of a lady phase yeah and to use an expression that you taught me today talking uh referencing family guy Mm -hmm. uh in our friday and double features that ran today um her performances a little bit insist upon themselves or yeah. she's in movies that insist upon themselves. Yeah. I don't think she's doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's always delivering, whether it's cold mountain or Batman forever. 
I miss the Kidman who could elevate regular movies into something great because she's so good in them. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, Once she became an actor of some prestige, all of her projects carried the air of prestige. And so there's an expectation uh, that she's only going to make a certain kind of movie. And I, I mean, I like that she has done other kinds of movies and is still willing to be in some studio shit or, you know, yeah. she'll make. She's in a lot Stepford of just like random streaming stuff. Bewitched now. or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, but in the 90s, when she's doing this and To yeah. Die For and Dead Calm and Batman Forever, I mean, she just. Even in something like Billy Bathgate, you're just like, oh, Kidman is great in this. I've never seen it. It's not the best. I have it on a triple DVD with Nixon and Blaze. I've never seen Blaze. I've never seen Blaze either. But I like Nixon. Blaze was another one of those movies where I was like, my parents saw it on a date night and then they came home. I'm like, what happened at the end? They're like, he dies. And I'm like, all right. Okay. I'm like, like Kurt Russell and Patrick. Okay. It was my introduction <laughs> to Lolita Davidovich. And I remember mm-hmm. they would pronounce her name in the trailers. And I just thought someone was making a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that. Lolita Davidovich. You just did so many syllables that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. Lolita Davidovich, man. <laughs> I don't know if it's the Demolition Man trailer, but recently I heard. Percy Rodriguez say Sylvester Stallone's name and the way he said it was amazing. <laughs> so like he'll say like Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock. And then he goes, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> he got excited yeah. in, the, in, Sylvester Stallone. in the booth. My son after Demolition Man couldn't remember Sylvester Stallone's name and called him JJ Stallion. It's <laughs> also so, a good name. Yeah. yeah. Um, we talked about that one scene where Kidman struts her stuff and and sits down and mm-hmm. like is like basically just you know rubbing Pullman's face in it that like I had you and like you're you meant nothing to me and stuff like that and you asked me at one point on a preview show like if you would ever cheer in a movie okay I think that if I saw this in theaters for the first time when he just goes sit the fuck down <laughs> i probably would have cheered because there's like nothing better because that's like when pullman i think really yeah unleashes yeah. that he you know he's he's ready to go to the to the end zone like he's he's you know got a clear line of whatever football <laughs> uh- <laughs> not enough filmmakers ever tapped into pullman's dark side no, not really. And this movie finally does yeah. after him being such a nice guy. For most of the movie, I mean, about halfway through, he realized she cheated. Mm-hmm. And he has that scene in the bar with Alec Baldwin where he's just like, let's fucking get her. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, he's just yeah confused and in over his head. And hurt and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Until Bancroft spells it all out for him <laughs> in big fucking bold capital letters. For sure. <laughs> um yeah, the only thing that's missing is her, like, snorting lines of cocaine <laughs> while they're talking. Um, and I read this. <laughs> Bring her coke. <laughs> Lots of coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it, I, recently, I read this book about, like, the history of recent romantic comedies. Yeah. It's basically from, like, When Harry Met Sally on to Crazy Rich Asians. That's sort of the time phrase that they're, frame that they're going for. Okay. Time phrase. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that was interesting was they were talking about – they had a chapter basically about, like, the cucks. 
<laughs> Poor Pullman. And they he interviewed the Pullman. Cuck. And they didn't, it wasn't like an, a lengthy interview, but it was like they took like a little line here and there from an interview with him. And he was talking about how like when he finally did While You Were Sleeping, he's just like, I was so happy. He's just like, I was so sick of being that guy. Yeah. And that's what I thought when I was watching Malice where it's just like, yeah, Pullman fights back. This right. is awesome. Because this is like the same year that like Sleepless in Seattle where he's just like, what are you going to do? Right. He's just like, go get him. And it's just like, <laughs> no, that's not how this he would go. <laughs> Meg Ryan comes to break up with him and he goes, sit the fuck down. Yeah. <laughs> That would be great. And then she's just like, I'm not into Hanks anymore. He showed backbone. Kind of like it. And then he kills her and turns into Balthazar Getty. Yeah. He like buries her in whipstaff manner. <laughs> um, How great is While You Were Sleeping, by the way? I need to rewatch it. I've seen it like twice. And the last time I watched it was with like people who were being annoying. So. Oh, fuck that. Watch it soon yeah. while you're on your Sandy B high. I should. And a Pullman high. Yeah. And a Gallagher high. Yeah. All highs. Turtle top high. She even says in Demolition Man while you were sleeping. She says the line. I, I, I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, this movie told the future. Yeah. I like at the end of the movie when uh, it's so great. It's, <laughs> this is such a, one thing I just love about domestic thrillers of the early 90s is it's just like everyone. It's just like, and then they fling each other over the banister <laughs> right. and then they fall two stories and they crash on a table. And then B.B. <laughs> Newworth shows up because she's like in, dis- in disguise <laughs> as the nurse. And then she might as well just go, you're under arrest, sugar. <laughs> She turns into hooks from Police Academy. Yeah. Freeze! They're back! <laughs> it's so great. And it's just like, God, by the end of the movie, it's like involving like dummies and like. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And like Kidman's just like, well, I'm here. I'll kill the dummy. <laughs> <laughs> that is the point at which it stretches credulity even for me like yeah. i'm with it i'm I'm still with it the dummy like i'm willing to go with it yeah but honestly up until that point i'm like nope i buy it all of it and then yeah. when it gets to that i'm like yeah, huh, all right <laughs> i love the twist at the end this that the kid's blind too because it's, it's just the last fuck it's, you to yeah, kidman it's, it's such a dig and it's such like a thing that like you know the most normal moviegoer will walk out of the theater and they're like, and he was blind the whole time. <laughs> he never saw them fucking. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of the fucking yeah. thing, yeah. this movie's got some really good shadow, but sure. Awesome shadow. But Original title for the movie. Yeah. Should have been. It was house guest. And then it was house of shadow, house but. of shadow, but because <laughs> there's multiple shadow, but there is. Um, so, Oh, we should transition to Nurse Trudy then if we're talking Shadow Bud. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So <laughs> Nurse Trudy is jamming in this movie. Um, that's the only way to describe her. <laughs> She's a tight little package. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so Nurse Trudy is like, I think it's like Ferentino. She was uh, married to James Ferentino. Is it Linda? Lin- no, not, no, it's Deborah, not Linda. Deborah, Deborah. Deborah. And then she kept his name yeah. for her career. So, all right. Her and Baldwin have a sex scene. And I think it's also kind of funny because, like, once you know what's going on between Kidman and Baldwin, it sort of makes sense why Kidman's just like, Why she's acting that girl. way in yeah, that why scene? She's yeah, acting that way. for sure. Um, so it's just kind of like this underlying thing that's funny. So, all right. So in the sex scene, yeah. 
they're doing it i shazam these um to <laughs> mama told me not to come a cover by the wolfgang press yeah and slave to love by brian ferry yeah so i thought okay october 1st 1993 what are the top 30 songs what other boner jams could be going on <laughs> so I, i'm gonna suggest five songs that would have been better better boning songs for baldwin and farentino yeah okay um i do anything for love but i won't do that by meatloaf okay that's one you gotta fuck to the song though i yeah all right <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> all right two boom shake the room by dj oh, jazzy jeff and the fresh prince for sure yeah yeah um will you be there from free willy by michael jackson <laughs> Is that like Hold Me by the River yeah. Jordan yeah. or whatever? Okay. And I will then say to thee, you are my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40 from Sliver. It's in Sliver, so it would be a cheat to also use it in Malice. And then Whoop, There It Is by Tag Team. <laughs> <laughs> That's more Pullman's theme, I feel like. <laughs> Sit the fuck down. <laughs> Whoop, there it is. That's, Whoop, there it That's is. what him and Newworth do it to. <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, they're all about tag team. And then like Newworth like stops and does the freestyle rap in the middle. <laughs> and Pullman's just like, I'm into it. <laughs> we make a pretty good team. A tag team. Woo! There it is. I like Credits. Woo! There it is. Um I wrote all right, getting back to the Malice trailer. Yeah. There's a line in the trailer that I always thought was really unintentionally funny and it's not in the movie. Oh damn it, I didn't watch the trailer. It's the scene where like uh she kidman's in the bathroom and she's having the stomach yeah. pains and she yeah. spills all the pills on the ground yeah and then in the trailer baldwin just goes i could refill that prescription for you <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like that's so stupid but then like it's not in the movie but it's in the trailer and is he really what what's siskel's line about he's on the make he's on the make he's is baldwin on the make it's on the make <laughs> um yeah I wrote, Alec Baldwin finds a lot of humor in between the lines. Yes. And is that a script thing, like where he's being directed to do such things, or is it like actory touches? Right. But that's one thing that's just so great about really all the performances in this is like you could read something a certain way, but like they're really relishing the beat. Like there's there's one moment that um, Baldwin has where him and Pullman are talking in the bar. Yeah, where he chews the ice. Yeah, he chews the ice. Yeah, yeah and it's just like, God, that's the stuff that makes movies. Yes. It's like these little I, touches. I made a mental note yeah. of it during that scene because it's this great conversation about would you cut off your pinky for a million dollars? Oh, yeah. And Pullman like really thinks about it and decides, no, I wouldn't. And yeah. he's this moral guy who's not willing to sacrifice certain things mm -hmm. just for money. Yeah. And he asks Baldwin and Baldwin just chews some ice at him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. It's really, really and good. he's like, I gotta go. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I love that he, at one point, they call him Gallop and Jed Hill. That was like his high school nickname. They're like, oh, you big man on campus again. Galloping I mean, how Jed long Hill. ago would that have been? 20 years? 1973, maybe? No, they're not that old. I would okay. think that they're probably like in their Well, yeah, 30s. Kidman's just out of college, right? Yeah. I would think that like maybe early 30s, okay. mid 30s at most. Okay. So 15 years? Maybe. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. So we're talking about, you know, late 70s, early 80s. Are, mm -hmm. are they still using the word galloping? Yeah, well, Jed Hill. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I wrote, yeah, we already talked about this, but can you go to lunch now as she leaves her chaotic kindergarten class? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then Kidman and Pullman have a sex scene where they're like eating Chinese food in bed. Yeah, they are. And I'm just like, that's going to get all over the sheets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kung Pao turns into Fuck Pao. Um, <laughs> tag team's back again. Whoop, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Whoop is Chinese food all over the bed. Uh, yeah. They're it's like, about, there's all the Chinese food. It's about, it's about MSG. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Tobin Bell crushing it in 93. I mean... In the line of fire, the firm, Malice, all wow. in three months. Wow. And then it wouldn't be till like, Saw that he becomes a household name. Yeah, I'm glad it happened, because he deserves it. Yeah, he's... He's a good he's, actor. He's a good actor. Yeah. And then, I... Yeah, I also, like... And a serial killer. Yeah. I feel bad that so many directors wanted to kill Gwyneth Paltrow this early in her career. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that she died in this movie. I remembered her scene where she's like, I can't wake up. The mm-hmm. alarm doesn't go off. But I forgot that they, like, find her in the garden. Yeah. There's a um, a moment in the uh, – a bit in the blank check episode about seven where they talk about people misremembering that they don't see her head in the box okay. at the end. Spoilers for seven. Yeah. Um, and I think people remember that they show it. Yeah. And I think that they're maybe conflating. I don't know if enough people saw malice, but like maybe they're thinking of that. Right. And then also I remember in seven, they show like a flash of her alive. Yes. So like maybe that's why they think of it. But anyways, I haven't listened to that episode yet because pretty good. Yeah. I think they like David Fincher more than I do. It's making me appreciate him again. Okay. Because I sort of take him for granted now just because i haven't been completely sold on some of his more recent yeah. stuff so I think he's I, I have a theory that he has as many misses as he does hits but yeah but he's also one of those guys where like the hits are so good that yeah I, i'll always watch his stuff so what was the last gone girl maybe mank was the last one no i know but what was the last, oh, the last like good one the last one that i really liked was probably gone girl which is a movie that grew on me because i didn't love it when i saw it i've only seen that the one time yeah. i need to rewatch it i thought it was just kind of okay the yeah. first time i saw it in a theater in austin and norman reedus was there oh nice and was I he was... like you <laughs> gone girl yeah <laughs> he was um and then my friend who ended up on a Netflix dating show, and I just found out about that this year, followed him into the bathroom, and I was just like, don't do that. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's going to be on a Netflix dating show. This makes total sense. A show that I saw. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Uh, 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 this movie has uh, Spin Doctors, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong, playing in a bar, so of course I'm going to like it. Which I always thought was about an ex-girlfriend, but apparently it was about like a mom or a stepmom that like didn't believe in him. No, oh. they should have played it like every time Kidman does something in this movie. Yeah, she can't be wrong. <laughs> exactly. This movie kind or of breaks when a... he fucks Nurse Tanya. Yeah, that's true. Man, that should have been like a whole movie. <laughs> I think they're called porn. Um, so the uh... hotter nurse Tanya or BB in disguise. BB in disguise. <laughs> Uh, no, the, uh, shit, what was I going to say? The, um, mm, mm. <laughs> we probably, oh, yeah. I've made fun of R-rated movies where somebody gets arrested at the end a lot, where it's like, like as you, opposed to like dying. Yeah. Okay. Where I'm just like, you can't 
arrest yeah. a man of parts villain. You can't arrest contraband villain. You can't arrest into deeps villain. In Malice, it doesn't bother me. No, I I would actually call bullshit if they killed her. Yeah. I think arresting her is the right call. Yeah. I want to see, though, like a sequel where she gets out. Because this might be the, around the time when she gets out. Yeah, you're right. Because it's been 30 years. Shit. Because what, what would she get arrested for? Tracy's she, Revenge? Well, she, well killed, she does kill Alec Baldwin. She did kill Yeah, but he was kind of a douche. <laughs> she did try to kill a kid. Tried. She, uh, what's the charge for, like, I mean, insurance fraud? Like, what would, I don't know what she, what crime she committed in the scam that they pull. I think it's like Con Lady Number Two. Oh, That's okay. That's what they pull. There's, okay. a, there's like a book. Okay. <laughs> where it's just like, it's like classic case of Con Lady Number Two. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, make a sequel where she gets out of prison. Tracy's Revenge. Yeah, Tracy's Revenge. I like it. Yeah. Bring poor back Pullman. Poor Tracy. Pullman needs to be in more modern movies. He does, yeah. God damn it. Um, <laughs> I wrote Peter Gallagher so bad at attorney-client privilege. He brings it up. He says, I can't tell you. But then and he then folds. kind of tells him. Yeah, but then he folds real quickly. Because Pullman asks nicely. And if you have Pullman in your office, like, asking nicely, I'll tell mm-hmm. him whatever he wants to know. Yeah. Bring her scotch. And then one of the funniest things in the movie to me, and this is a little thing, but I think it's really silly and funny, is so Pullman finds Gwyneth Paltrow, goes to the police station, um, does the sterile... Is it, <laughs> they sterilize him. Thank you. They sterilize him. That's what happens. Um, no, I'm misremembering. This is after he gets into the altercation with to- Tobin Bell. Okay. And then, uh, you know, no. beats, beats him up and everything. And Tobin Bell goes to jail, presumably. Right. Um, so they have a scuffle. He's got blood on his shirt. Yeah. Then B.B. Newworth takes him to, like, a bar. Yeah, and he's still like got blood like covered yeah. all over him. And nice. then they go to like another location, and he's yeah. still covered in blood. And I yeah. thought that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that all tracks. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I like when uh, Tobin Bell is like, Andy, do you want to play a game? <laughs> the game is called Cook. <laughs> you have to watch Nicole Kidman have sex with a Baldwin brother. Oh my god! Would you like the movie more or less? If it tied together that the dad of Nicole Kidman was Tobin Bell. Oh, gosh. No, I would like it less. Okay. Would you like Demolition Man more or less if they removed all the sex with him and Sandra Bullock, like Mm -hmm. their weird virtual sex, and revealed that she was, in fact, his daughter? Less. Yeah, me too. I would like that a lot less. Apparently, a lot of people were expecting that. That's gross. Well, minus all the romantic stuff. They could have easily eliminated that scene and the kiss at the end. And there's mm-hmm. no mention of romance between them, so uh, and revealed that she's the long lost daughter. Would you like Demolition Man more <laughs> if, because Sandra Bullock is so much a fan of '90s culture, yeah. that you found out that this whole time she was trying to pull a malice on Sylvester <laughs> Stallone? <laughs> I like it more. That would be a great. She unfreezes demo- Jigsaw. <laughs> like John Spartan, <laughs> you've been found guilty of the crime of wrath. You have 60 seconds. I don't know. (laughs) Dr. Simon Phoenix showed up. Anyways, um, so I I came up with some better or worses. I like this because I was thinking about this. I know it's not, it's more domestic thriller than erotic thriller. Yeah. But I like it better than most of both. See, I thought that that would be too easy. Okay. 
So I went in a different direction. I like so it. So I did better or worse than these October 1993 <laughs> movies. Okay. Okay. So Demolition Man. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think Malice is better. I love them both. Yeah. I would probably go Malice. Uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. I've never seen it, so I'll say Malice. It's not very good. No. Um, Fatal Instinct. Never saw it. Malice saw the trailer, better. but Malice is probably better. Cool Runnings. Never saw it. It's good, but not Malice. Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Malice. Uh, for Love or Money. You know I do love For Love or Money. Yeah. But it's not Malice. I saw in like an old newspaper ad that they had like a insert in the newspaper ad of like a dollar with Michael J. Fox on on it okay and it was like cut this out for free concession bucks i'm like i love my money's gonna be my money <laughs> um okay judgment night fuck yeah malice i think it might go judgment night yeah. but it's like neck and neck um i a- love i love they show the trailer at smash cut and when they kill uh the guy who's the, yeah, the guy who was under your undercover exactly yeah it's three very wide-eyed, like, especially Cuba Gooding Jr. They're from the suburbs. And then immediately the rest of us, no response. <laughs> Just, <laughs> he's like, I've seen this shit before. I, he's like, Chuck Sheen's been worse. Um, I find it so, I love that movie, but I always find it so funny that they get into that much trouble between Evanston and somewhere in Chicago. <laughs> Just like, it's like 20 minutes. <laughs> And I like Dennis Leary. Yeah. But 93, it's like Demolition Man is using MTV Dennis Leary, and mm. it's such a pivot to buy him as, like, the ultimate badass in Judgment Night. Now I'm able to do it a little bit more, but, like, in 93, I had a real hard time buying Dennis Leary as, like, the main bad guy. Yeah, I could see that. Just because of who he was in pop culture. It'd be like if Jay Moore was the ultimate <laughs> bad guy in 97. But he's an asshole. <laughs> Um, Whoa, Barry! <laughs> all right, uh, Malice or Rudy? I, you know, I've never seen Rudy. It's very good. <laughs> That's it's, what I hear. Yeah. But I'm picking Malice. Uh, Malice or a Bronx Tale? Fuck, I like that movie a lot. I do too. But I fucking love Malice. You could see Chaz Palminteri do his one man show of a Bronx Tale at the Displays Theater in a month. Really? Yeah. How the mighty have fallen. Mm. <laughs> I never understood how that would work as a one man show. I don't either. It works very well as a movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. I like it a lot. Uh, De Niro is an underrated director. I need to see The Good Shepherd again. I like it just because they throw somebody out of a helicopter, <laughs> which needs to happen. Is in it more F. Movies. Murray Abraham? No. Okay. <laughs> they throw like Matt Damon's girlfriend yeah. in there, where they're just yeah. like, "Well, you can't go back to her. What do we do with her? <laughs> throw out of a helicopter? Seems excessive, but okay." Um, I just remember F. Murray getting tossed out of a helicopter in Scarface. No, yeah. Yeah. That does happen. Yeah. Does he get like hung from yeah, a helicopter? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and then Mal- he's in Surviving the Game. Coming to Blu-ray. Yeah. Malice or Fearless, which I've never seen. I haven't either. Okay. I heard but Something good. happened in October of 93 yeah. where I was only seeing Malice and Judgment Night. The White Sox were in the playoffs. I Maybe remember that was that, it. So was, that had my attention. Uh, Malice or Gettysburg. Never saw Gettysburg. I didn't either. Mal- Malice or Shortcuts. Shortcuts. This is all one month. <laughs> Jesus. Um, we did have it better. Okay. And then the coup de grace okay. of the month. <sighs> Malice or Mr. Jones. <laughs> Malice. Malice or Mr. Wonderful. Malice. Malice or Mr. Nanny. 
we had three mister movies you in a month? You could go to a movie theater in October 1993 and have a choice of three misters. You could do like, the Mr. Triple. One for that, uh, you know, that for the mister movie. Sir, I'm sorry, which one? <laughs> Wonderful Jones Nanny. <laughs> which one? He's a mister. I don't know. The one with Hulk Hogan. Oh, Mr. Jones. I don't know. I guess we'll why I guess Jones once they start dating he becomes wonderful and then they'll eventually need a man. <laughs> oh. I cannot believe Judgment Night and Demolition Man came out the same month. Yeah. It was like back to back weeks. Wild. Yeah. Okay, and then fucking wild. Better or worse than right. these Aaron Sorkin or Scott Frank written movies? <laughs> oh, shit. This is gonna be difficult. This will be difficult. Yeah. All right, Malice or the American President? <sighs> oh, God. I'm gonna go Malice, but I like both. I love Malice, but I think in this instance, I would go American President. Okay, uh, Malice or Bing the Ricardos? <laughs> <laughs> Malice. Malice. That one was easy. (laughs) Malice or Charlie Wilson's War. Malice, baby. Malice or A Few Good Men. Malice. Malice or Molly's Game. Malice. Malice or Moneyball. Malice. Malice or The Social Network. Social Network. Malice or Steve Jobs. Malice. Malice or The Trial of the Chicago 7. Malice. Malice or Dead Again. Malice. Malice or the Flight of the Phoenix remake from 2004 with Dennis Quaid Who and Giovanni that? Ribisi. Scott Frank. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's a good movie. It's I haven't seen it. It's, it was like one of those movies I got from Netflix when it was like a mail service. But like Eddie when Burns I meant, is, What's the Eddie Burns movie that I'm thinking of that's like Flight of the Phoenix but is not Flight of the Phoenix? Is it a plane movie? Yeah. I'm looking it up. Shit. Because he's not in Flight of the Phoenix... But he is in hmm. Son of a Bitch. Where, where, why isn't he making movies? Oh, See? he is in Flight of the Phoenix. <laughs> oh, Eddie Burns is? Uh, he's credited on the screenplay. Eddie Burns? Is he in the movie? I don't remember him being in the movie. So maybe I'm just thinking I remember of... it was Dennis Quaid, okay. Tyrese... So Giovanni I'm just Ribisi. I'm just thinking of the the screenplay. I apologize. I didn't know that you knew the deep cuts of Eddie Burns' screenplays. I didn't know that I knew that either. It's obviously something that's just worked its way into my brain. Um. Okay. Malice or Get Shorty. Fuck. Get Shorty. Malice or Heaven's Prisoners. <laughs> Malice. Malice or The Interpreter. Never saw it. So he has another Baldwin, another Kidman. Yeah. Does he have another? I don't think he has another Pullman. Um, Malice or Little Man Tate? I never saw Little Man Tate. That's what I call my dick. Um, Malice. <laughs> <laughs> After Tate Donovan. I call mine perfect. the interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> I call him Little Man Tate after Tate Donovan in Picture Perfect because he's not there. I've got no dick. Um, Malice. <laughs> I thought it was because Jodie Foster is always bossing it around. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, also, because it's Adam Hyde Bird, and I also call it my bird, so it's like Hyde Bird. Sure. Yeah. So, anyways, malice. It's late. Uh, malice or Logan? Malice. Malice or the Lookout? Malice. Malice or Marley and Me? Malice. Malice or Minority Report? Oof. I'll go Malice. I like both, though. I do like both. Minority Report's really cool. 
mm-hmm. but malice. <laughs> Do you remember at Streets of Woodfield when they had a minority report car in the lobby? No. It was like opening weekend. No. It was really cool. Wow. It was like when I went to Hollywood Boulevard and they just had a passenger's capsule in the corner <laughs> collecting dust. Um, malice or out of sight? Out of sight. Malice or plain clothes? <laughs> Scott Frank wrote that? Yeah. Malice. Malice or A Walk Among the Tombstones? Malice. That's one of those memory hold movies where it's just like, I saw it and it was good and I've never thought of it since. It barely exists. I reviewed it for the site yeah. because it was at a time where I was like trying to review more mm-hmm. uh, and I liked it yeah. and same, have never thought of it since. In fact, if you told me it was a fake movie, I would have said, yeah, of course. <laughs> and then the last one, Malice or The Wolverine? Malice. They've written some good stuff. Yeah. Good, good writers. Scott Frank, maybe a little busier. Yeah. More of like a for hire guy. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin has some shit on his resume, but mm-hmm. he's written some really great stuff too. I don't want to yeah. take anything away from the great Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. I said that sort of sarcastically. Yeah. Um, anything else about Malice? It's so good. Love it. Seek it out. Seek it out. Seek it out. Uh, um, thank you guys for listening. As always, go to fthismovie.com every day for more cool movie shit. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube for reserved seating every Thursday. If you are not subscribed to our Patreon, uh, I would ask that you do because we got some cool stuff going on over there. I just posted a new iStream Ustream, uh, which no one really cares about, although one person said I would subscribe just for iStream Ustream. Nice. And I did it, and I don't know if that person ever subscribed, but uh, (laughs) maybe they did. And uh, we have a cool Patreon show coming up this month that I won't reveal just yet. But uh, You told me about it. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, thanks again, Adam. Yeah, I got a question for you. What's up? Did you see that review that we got for it's like, it's like basic opinions from basic people? I did. Which episode did we talk about basic? Thanks for listening to FS Movie.